me ask this question to all of us today as we continue with the series. Uh, it's time for equipping. Again, you know, we told you that it's not time for, it's time for equipping the saints for the work of the, the ministry, for the works of service. How many of us actually can acknowledge that life is full of problems? It does have problems, right? And there are primarily two reasons why there are so many problems. One, it's the fact that there is a devil and demons. And the Bible says the mandate or the goal of the devil, the impersonification of the thief, Satan, so he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. So if you have stuff and somebody comes to steal, kill and destroy, clearly you are going to have problems. So obviously, we have problems as a result. But secondly, we have problems because there is sin. All sin is committed against God because it is his law and commands that are being broken. So it may be committed to you, but it's still against God's image, so it's against God. It can be committed by you, it's still against God. But sin, it's simply missing the mark, missing the target, going on a detour when you are supposed to go on a straight line. Now suppose you are driving to Cape Town. And somewhere along the way, you take a detour. Now you have enough petrol to take you to your destiny. But you miss a turn. And when you miss a turn, you are on a gravel road where there will be no garage. And on that gravel road, petrol is how you are fed. What happens when your fuel is finished? You stuck, right? Don't you have problems? Big problems. You might actually be sleeping in the wilderness or be killed whilst you are still there. Why? Because you missed the mark. Understand the problem, Yasib? Every time you miss the mark, you end up on a detour and it's costly on your life. But friends, Problems are there to be solved, right? And problems are also good for us to some extent. The Bible says the trials and the tribulations, they mature us, they make us better people. But, here's a bigger challenge. Our strength to handle problems is limited. People who, who suffer neurosis, mental illnesses, but we're drinking masanya to some extent. It's because the limit of their ability to handle problems has been reached. They don't have the inner strength anymore. Some of them are running away from the problems that are supposed to make them strong and create more problems. It's like a person who's supposed to drive on the N1 and pay the toll gate. They are supposed to handle the challenge on this journey by paying what? The toll gate. But they decide, I'm not going to pay the toll gate. I'm taking the alternative route, which is a gravel. And on the alternative route, two of their wheels hit their pothole. How far is the garage? Very. Now you see, had they gone onto the N1 and paid the toll gate, it would have cost them, yes. Right? Yeah, but you see, not paying it is more costly. So sometimes people end up having mental and uh, psychosomatic diseases, you know. They suffer in their minds and they end up suffering in their bodies. Why? Because they are running away from one thing that they should solve and they create another one. 
So in ministry, it's the same story. There are challenges. Remember we said the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. But remember, also, not everyone is going to fulfill their calling in God. Is that what God wants? No. Am I prophesying? No. It is simply a matter of how they handle the challenges. So today we are talking about the challenges of ministry. As you can see, there will be a continuation. I have categorized them into four. There are personal or individual challenges. Stuff that you personally will face. There are corporate challenges. Problems that we will face as a community of believers together. There will be relational problems. Problems that you will encounter with the people you work with. Are you still okay with that? And there will be work-related or field problems where now you have to deal with the dynamics of what you are doing. Sometimes what you do is not as easy as you thought. So we will look at all those challenges. But today we're looking at the personal or individual challenges. When you read... In the book of Acts chapter 13 verse 36. It says, For when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. When David had what? Served. What is a servant? A minister. What is he ministering? The purposes of God. He is unfolding the calling upon his life expressed through the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given in service to humanity. Remember it. So, but David fulfilled this. What can we learn from this? God expects us to finish our purposes before we die. Are we all going to finish? It's up to individuals. Inherent to the ministry is the fact that we need to pour out into our generation all that God has put in us to the benefit even of the coming generation. We don't just live for ourselves. We live for our children and our children's children. So what we do now is going to affect them. So affect them. It is both purposeful living and leaving a legacy, a godly legacy behind. If you are fulfilling your call, you are doing your ministry, you are exercising your gift, it means you have embarked on a purposeful life, a meaningful life. And you live your life in such a way, such when other people look at you, they can learn something godly that they can live up through or with regard to. And every other person who knows you. This personal obligation is not without its perils and only those with right focus. That is if your focus is Jesus Christ and disciplined inner world will run it to the end. If Jesus is not your focus, You'll take a detour. Because if Jesus is on the other side of the toll gate, guess what? You'll have to pay the toll gate to get to him. You'll have to pay the price. But if you choose a detour, then your focus is wrong. You won't fulfill your destiny. And the Bible therefore encourages us. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those guys... The David, Abrahams, all the guys who ran this race and finished it despite its many challenges, they all had their problems. 
The Bible says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the, the, the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, with patience, with long suffering, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It says, there are people who have gone away through what you are going through. And the Bible says an amazing thing. It says, some of them, when they died, they did not receive the promises. By faith, they said, I have this thing. But they never handled it in their hands. But the Bible says they died in faith. They died believing God. And God is not ashamed to be called their God. So friends, the, 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 the path to like how, where you must run, it's marked for you. We are not running the same race, so we are not supposed to outpace one another. If I read on your mark, get ready. You know all of us, when it says go, I don't know where you are running to. So it is stupid of me to look at, when it says go, and you go, then I say, hey. No, friends, listen. This person that you are trying to outpace is going to extension five. Or three. When are you are going to deep sleuth? <laughs> so you see, by the time you have ran out of stamina, but now when they get tired, they would have arrived. More I am thinking, more he'll be like, but guess what? I've arrived. When are you? When you get to Malibong? <laughs> too tired now. Why? You wanted to outpace someone whom you did not even know what is the destiny to which they are running. Are you still okay with us on that? And so friends, when we want to fulfill our calling, we must remember, pace yourself according to your own race. The Lord Jesus Christ whom obedience to his word is a measure of his lordship over our lives, is the one who sent us to the field, to our generation, to the world. And yet, his commissioning was not without warning of the challenges that lie ahead. If you and I say, Jesus is Lord, the question is, how much of his word do you obey in your life? How When he sent us, this is what he says. I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I'm sending you like what? Sheep amongst the... Do wolves smile with a sheep? Hi, sheepy. Hi, wolfy. Do they do that? They don't. They tear it apart. So Jesus has never promised that you and I are not going to suffer trouble when we try to fulfill what he has called us to, you, to do. There are many challenges that we will face as we seek to be the ministers God intended for us to be. It is therefore significant to remember that ministry is a journey of both privileges and sacrifices or challenges. When we are doing what we need to be doing in God, there will be privileges. You know, you will think, ah, the Lord is my shepherd. There will be that lying down in green. But there will also be the valley of the shadow of death. So there will be mountains, there will be valleys. But all things computed together, all things considered, the privileges far outweigh the challenges. That is why, friends, Paul says these temporary afflictions that we are going through, you and I, cannot compare with the glory, 
the weight of God's beauty in our lives, which we shall receive, the crown, when we get there. That is why, friends, if you have to suffer for the Lord, do it joyfully. Pray. If He doesn't take you out of it, remember, His grace is sufficient. Friends, if you have such a problem, Paul says, I asked him three times, remove this tormenting thorn in the flesh. This messenger of Satan. God said, my grace is sufficient. And you know what? Anyone who can walk through the fire and say, my grace is sufficient, God says, I delight in you because you do not shrink back. Remember during the apartheid years, there was this slogan. There were many slogans. You remember about each one, teach one, about courses. But there was this one. That slogan had a spirit in it. I don't know which spirit, but it had a spirit. <laughs> no retreat. No surrender. Powerful slogan. Do you know those army cars, the hippo, and the caspers, and the kentas? You remember them? Friends, those things are bulletproof. And they have holes where the, the, these apartheid soldiers who just protrude their guns. But I said the guns, you remember rubber bullets and tear gas and R1. You remember? And then this thing will come. That's how it used to sound. If you had tie roads. If you are, you had, you were living in a graveled place. I don't know how it sounds. Maybe it's like, I don't know. <laughs> but friends, when that thing came, we would dig trenches, light tires, just to make sure that we are getting them. You won't get a hippo. When it comes, it hits everything. We used to take out, you remember those stop signs? The ones that had the concrete. Not the ones you have. You remember those? We'll put them there. Ah, that thing will come. It would hit those things, they will fly out. We would be standing that side. Guess what? Instead of running, the spirit of no retreat, no surrender says, take a stone and hit it. <laughs> You're hitting something that is bulletproof with a stone. But even then, there was a satisfaction of, I hit it. <laughs> Did I hit anyone? <laughs> you are checking. Sweet. We are going, right? Now he's scared. But there's this spirit. No retreat. And you know how many people died because of no retreat, no sir. But as they put it, their blood has watered and nourished the tree of our liberation in this country. In the same way, Jesus, when you know what his blood has done for you, you can say, no retreat. No surrender. Don't you just love Jesus? So we have benefits in this life and the life to come. Now let's look at the types of challenges we may face as we seek to fulfill our calling. Number one, we will face the challenge of immaturity. The inability to exercise spiritual disciplines in order to distinguish good from evil. That's how the writer of Hebrews put it. In Hebrews 5.14. There will be different situations that will test our maturity as ministers wherever we are posted. And there will be different tests to face as well. So if you want to, to minister and be what God has called you to be, you are going to be tested. And you know, if you fail, you don't graduate. You know that. You know that. It doesn't happen only in school, right? It has happened in life. Let's look at the first test that you and I will, will, will face. 
Some you will face, others won't face. I guess there are different tests. But here's one. The test of audience. If God's face is frowning, it doesn't matter whose face is smiling. When you stand in front of people, people they'll be like, let me tell you, they are applauding you for missing the, the mark. But God is not applauding. So do not dance to the tune of the audience. That's why sometimes you hear someone speak as if, if the church says amen, he's making sense or he's transferring an anointing. Hallelujah! Amen! Why are you not saying amen? <laughs> we will encourage you. I, I remember when we were students, we would encourage even the people that we knew they are missing their mark. Asking. We would <laughs> and laugh. Oh, preach it, man of God. After that, we say, what was this guy saying? <laughs> so don't dance to the tune of the audience. The test of praise. People will praise you. They will say, you have done very well. Sometimes you fall for their trap because sometimes when they praise you, they actually want something. You almost have to check. Hey, you know, hey, hey, my brother, my sister, I tell you, hey, hey, Malinko, this Jesus is nice. Hey? Might be even be tempted. What to ask? What do you want? But sometimes it's not always that they want something. The test is not for them, it's for you. Can you overcome the pride that comes with praise? How about praise? Can you still stay humble? The test of obscurity. You know when you know God has called me. I have done this. I have done that. The church from which I come from. I was this. I was that. I was led lead. And you get to another church and they never ask you to do anything. How's that? How would you handle that? As much as your heart will be tested by, your, by the praises that you receive. If you are a person who is hungry for the limelight, you are dangerous and, and unhelpful for the kingdom. Because you will always want to push people around so that you will be the first one. Moses was called by God, but he didn't want to be the first one. He says, oh Lord, please, you know me. You know my weaknesses. Please send someone. Other people, when God says, eh, eh, who can I send? Even before he finishes the sentence. Me! And then God says to Rwanda, they say, I was just kidding. <laughs> the test of fellowship. David followed Saul despite several attempts of Saul trying to kill him. In 1 Samuel 19, it tells us that. When he had a chance to kill Saul, he never attempted it. Saul was, in the meantime, occupying David's position. The manifestation of the Spirit of God on Amasai was loyalty to David as a leader. And the anointing did not mean you should usurp the power. You know, sometimes people, they always want to be close to you when you do something good. You know those, those friends that you have? They always want to hang, to hang around. But here's the other thing. Can you simply hang around leaders purely just to learn and be there? People don't want that. So that will be a test for you. Can you fellowship with God? Can you fellowship with the leaders? Can you fellowship with the saints? The test of faithfulness. Would you like to reap what you sow? If we were all to treat you the way you treat other people, what do you think your life would be like? Eh? Think about it. Are you trained to hear the master's voice? Even if the master's voice to you means submitting to somebody else that when you underrate. Do you know those things where God will say go and serve someone 
or under someone and you think ah that that person are you trained can you can you obey god in those situations are you obedient to king jesus do you teach others to obey jesus as well you know mary said to those guys when they said we have no wine can you imagine she's a woman in the jewish culture she says to them do whatever he tells you to do imagine if they decided hey 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 you are a woman what can you tell me do you even drink wine perhaps you do but i know better about wine listen they did what she told them even though they could have decided not to listen to her as a woman and so friends whatever we want to do remember this part the tiniest action is better than the greatest intention arab people are like yo you know you know i feel god has called me you know i think i'm gifted in you are still thinking time is going and then they're like one day one day you'll see i'm going to ask the leadership to to let me preach i'm going to preach a storm let me tell you the people who come here every sunday to encourage the church that action that they do is greater than you saying one day you'll preach the storm instead you might suffer the storm and never preach again so friends when we are tested in this faithfulness area god sometimes will tell you stuff to tell the church you all know that part eh? where you didn't obey when god said do something or tell someone or give some money to the person standing at the traffic light and you said no god what if they buy glue and smoke it and die i will feel responsible as if you can keep them from dying when the one who can keep them from dying says give them something and i'm not saying you should give them i'm saying use your convictions if you look at yourself would you follow yourself if you are a leader if you are a minister would you follow yourself would you trust yourself with other people you care about think about it i agree we are ministers we're talking ministry the equipping of the saints for the work of the so are you expecting us to trust you with other people in the life of the church when you know as soon as they tell you something it starts boiling in you wanting to come out they don't have to tell you don't tell anyone because if they say don't tell anyone it's like now they take it even beyond water boiling point now that's when you feel like hey, finish quickly finish quickly i have to tell someone but you still want to minister are you faithful you need to manage yourself overall be flexible to accommodate people around you ask how can i help when was the last time in the life of the church at home amongst your neighbors you know we also have people who are not from south africa who struggle with all kinds of things permits this and that have you ever asked how can i do you realize that fnb has even overtaken you fnb they always ask how can we help you never speak to discourage your brothers seek their welfare the last test of the few that we have picked for today the test of dismissal imagine you have this brilliant idea and you go to the leaders you know i was thinking this and this and, and they give you two hours listening to you and then after that they do nothing about it they just say no 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 don't worry about that uh, it's we'll see it another time how would you feel ah uh, it's a test how much more if they were to say to you get thee behind you can finish the rest you, you would feel very offended eh? imagine you come to jesus you have a very powerful suggestion lord lord please be it far from you to go to the cross and die and jesus says get thee behind satan would you still follow him after that 
Jesus did not seem to concern himself even about what Philip asked him. People come, they say, we want to see Jesus. They tell Philip. Philip goes there like a faithful servant. He says, hey, Uh, there are guys who want to see you outside. Jesus ignores him. He continues. He tells other stories. And, and then when you... I want us to just see that part. In fact, if you think about it, <laughs> you, you will laugh. Let's just go to John chapter 12. Are you still okay? Let's start from verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied. What is he replying to? We would like to see Jesus. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless I can. And he goes on and on and on. Now, watch how the whole thing ends. Verse, let's jump to verse 36. Put your trust in the light while you have it. So that you may become sons of light. That is Jesus still continuing, right? After he was told that there are people who want to see you. Listen. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Eh? Did you read that verse? When he had finished speaking, then he said, okay, guys, I'm here. You wanted to see me. No. Fun, isn't it? Coming from Jesus. He hid himself Very interesting lesson even right there. The next personal challenge that you may face. Trading fruit for gift. Many people are keen to sharpen their skills in the areas of their expertise. But would not sharpen themselves to handle the fame that comes with being sharp at what they do. So they work hard. On, hey, I want to be a good soccer player, you know. Our context, South Africa, how many good soccer players we had? How, where did they end? They were good at what they do, but they were not good at who they were. So they become good at what they do, basically. The fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5.22, must be the primary focus of our cultivation process. For the gifts, although need to be stirred, they are already given. I get it, the gifts are without repentance. God has already given you gifts. So what you, you need when is to stay there. But you know character is not giving. Character is culty. So most of us don't want to cultivate character through discipline. We just want to do before we become. Remember, we are called to be and to do. The next challenge you will face, misdirected zeal. Most people, like Moses, would like to dash off into fulfilling what they believe is a personal call, even before the light is green and they generally crash. Imagine you, are, you, you stopped at a traffic light. When the light goes green, what do you do? You drive, right? So friends, when God says that timing is now, there's no luxury of saying of postponing. When it says green, you don't put the car into neutral and do five-point check, mirror, what, 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 blind spot, put it into one, release the brake. No! What do you do? You'll hear if you do... That they pop, 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 and you'll see all kinds of signs that will let you know. You are supposed to move. 
But if the light is red, and you think, no, man, I'm rushing, I'm rushing. And then you beat the red robot, guess what? It will beat you, exactly. You will get to heaven earlier than the appointment. And so for most people, you know, in our context, in the African context, how many people left school because of the calling? Some of us did. The difference is timing. Was it a green or a red light? Others, oh, I mean, I'm called, I'm called. Mm, you are called. How come today you are not in ministry? But five years down the line, you left school running saying you are called. The timing was wrong. So, if you have zeal, the Bible says zeal without knowledge is dangerous. So, zeal without knowledge and proper timing is detrimental to the call. We should zealously serve God on his revealed will and be prayerfully patient for the specifics. On the things that God has told you in the Bible. You must run. How's the light on those one? Green. But on the specific things that God has to reveal. Even if you say, I have a sense I'm going to marry this person. Don't just rush. I knew you already did. <laughs> but be prayerfully patient. You know how many of us has our zeal destroyed us? Ish. Ish. If I knew. Hey, so why did you do it if you did not even have an idea? There are a lot of people who regret relationships in particular. Ah, got to lesson day. You know what I'm talking about. How many people married their first boyfriends and girlfriends? No, don't lift up your hand. <laughs> what does that tell you about timing? Uh, there's a lesson right there, right? Mm -hmm. Another challenge you may have is self-overburdening. To put too much than you can bear. Biting more than you can no one came to earth to seek and save the lost other than Jesus. Luke 19.10 tells us that. Yet Jesus was and is the Messiah, but never suffered from messianic complexes. He knew the battles to fight and which one to let go. One day he went into a city. When he got there, they said, we don't want you here. John and James says, should we call fire on them? Kill them. Caesar says, no, 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 guys. Leave it. It's not a battle for today. We'll fight it another day. In ministry, there will be those times where stuff happens. People say things and what, what. You need to know, ah, that's not a battle for me. And don't even fight other people's battles. He never went out of his way to please everybody. In fact, he offended them at times. Jesus would call people, you brood of vipers. I think because John and Jesus were relatives, I think this brood of vipers thing, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it was a relative thing. Can you imagine? Lu namadinya namarabi. He didn't bother to please people, Jesus. He never made it his mission to have everybody on his side. Jesus told people that you need to eat my body and drink my blood. And when they said, hey, this teaching is difficult and they left, said, go. He went as far as asking his disciples, do you also want to leave? Ah, no. How can we leave? You have the words of life. He says, okay. That was a warning shot. As far as Jesus was concerned, whoever wanted to live could live. So if Jesus was leading a local church, <laughs> can you imagine if Jesus was your pastor and you come with this attitude of, I'm indispensable. 
Jesus would simply tell you, leave if you want to leave. He never went everywhere where people wanted him to and never complied with every request. Mark 3 says, after he prayed, the disciples come and say, hey, everybody was looking for you. You know you are a famous guy. Jesus says, no, let's, let us go to another village, another city to preach there. I don't have to go where people say I should go. I go where the Father sends me. And when people asked him stuff, he never just did what they asked. He did not run after people who were going the opposite direction to where he was going. He never sought to solve everybody's problem or be everywhere at the same time. When the rich young man said to, to Jesus, this is my own addition to it, interpretation. I want to go where you are going. Because he says, Lord, what can I do to inherit the kingdom? Basically to go to heaven, to go where you will be going. Jesus tells him, you must do this and this and this. Ah, no, that is kid stuff. I've done it. Then you must sell everything and follow me. So if Jesus is going this direction, Jesus says, follow me in which direction? This direction. This guy says, oh, Jesus, I, I'm so rich. I'm going the, the opposite direction. Did Jesus say, hey, sorry, sorry. I'm the rich man. I'm, I'm sorry. No. He let him go. When they said, Lazarus is sick, did Jesus go there? Jesus, in his humanity, could not be at every place. Do you know that even as we minister together, you can't expect us to be everywhere. And you will be offended when we are not there. You will invite us to a party. There's a person who passed away. You are fighting with your spouse. Every one of you wants us to be there. Don't you know that we are not omnipresent? Perhaps when you are. But not any of us is omnipresent. Even Judy Boucher knew that. She could explain it to you better. Judy Boucher says, If I could be into when she says, believe me. <laughs> I would be there sharing my love with you. Unfortunately, can't be with you now. The next challenge, personal. Money, fame, and intimacy. The love of money is indeed the root of all evil, even so in ministry. Although money answers all things, according to Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19, peddling the gospel or the gifts of God for monetary gain is evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, sometimes we can stand here, Luana, you can do it, but it's evil to stand in front of people exercising the gift of God to rob them of their finances. A lot of what is done in ministry needs money. As Dombo has said, money answereth all things. It is a fact that would be foolish and hypocritical to ignore, even irresponsible. We would not be responsible to stand here and pretend as if the church does not need money. All the work that needs to be done needs money. Yet the pursuit of riches will often than not shipwreck the faith of the pursuer of money and riches. That thing it will kill them finally. The Bible says in the last days there will be lovers of money. But it says many of them have shipwrecked their faith, pierced themselves with many sorrows, lost families, lost friends, lost kids. Why? Lost husbands. Because they were running after money. Fame, the all-consuming desire to be famous is rooted in the devilish pride that ruined Satan and removed him from his appointed place in heaven. 
The Bible says, the devil was so proud, he said, I will arise, I will set myself among the fair stones of God, above his stars, and I'll be like the most high. But God says, no, you will not. You will be held down and finally end up in hell. Friend, pride is dangerous. Fame is costly. Paul encourages us to esteem others better than ourselves. The gifts of God in our life will lift us up and create better platforms. If you use your gifting, you will, be, you will attract people, right? But here's the caution. Our response to all the fame should be to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. For the Lord hates the proud, but he lifts up the humble. We should not love to be first. You know all of us love to be first. Yesterday we were talking that an average man wants to appear superior over other men so that he does not need them. Nobody is self-sufficient. We all need others. But fame has a feeling. When fame has come upon you, you want to feel like you are more important than the rest. That is why John, in 3 John 9, decries this attitude in the life of Diotrephes. He says, this guy, this, that guy was part of the church. He says he loves to be first. He loves preeminence. And is hindering the church. But you know, friends, when you do what God has called you, you will attract all kinds of people. You know, you don't have to be handsome or beautiful to attract women or men when you are operating in the anointing. Hmm. Anointing attracts. It's like this light bulb. Have you seen that in your home you have this light bulb? I hope you have seen that. These ones that have caps. You screw the cap, right? Now, when this light bulb is finished or bends up, when you unscrew it and you look into the cap, what did you find? Insects. Didn't you close that thing and screw it? How did these things get in there? Isn't it strange? You find a fly and a spider, hopefully not together with a cockroach, <laughs> in one light bulb cap. How did they get there? They were attracted by... Therefore, Luana, you'll attract some of the strangest people. That will be fame. Others are suckers. They are parasites. Bed bugs. They are attracted to you to suck the life of God out of you. Others are just attracted for name dropping. Did he talk to you? No. Does he know you? No. But he, he, that, those questions they want. No, they just want to name drop. And sometimes these shady characters, they come under your shadow to give them credibility. Who want to hide under your reputation? Ah, no, you know, I was with Pastor so-and-so. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why when they introduce themselves to people, they mention you. <laughs> Intimacy. You will have problems with men and women who come into your life. You know those guys who did not have beautiful girlfriends. And now he's a soccer star. He's a movie star. Have you seen how out of hand they get? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that thing, you know. The Bible says, 
Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. <laughs> he always wanted to be the man. Now he could not be. Hey, now he is. Now he's destroying. That is why sometimes when you preach, you must check all the smiles. I check them. <laughs> I know the irrelevant one I just passed. Like yours, I just... But friends, there will be a challenge in your relationships. You need to develop integrity. If we do not control our affections, it will wreak havoc in every part of our lives. And the seduction, you must go and read Proverbs chapter 7. The seduction of an illegitimate relationship will cost you all you have from God and all of your life. Your life will end. It says, there's a seductress. She comes out, she says, Ooh. the Bible says, this, this, the writer says, the wisdom, wisdom writes, says, I looked through my window and I saw a simple, a foolish person going out. And then they met this seductress. And she went out, she says, oh, you know what? I put roses on my bed. My husband is not there. Blah, 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 blah. All the charm that you see, they're flirting in the office. Eh? But they're fleeing off. Ah, my wife, my husband won't know. Let me tell you, it's going to cost you everything of your ministry and destroy you finally. And the last part, it's this one. You will be challenged in the area of purity. You will be challenged in the area of what? Purity. The Bible says, be holy because I am yesterday. All the time when we talk to men, remember we said men must, we, we must help one another to reorder our private lives. Many ministers have been destroyed by pornography. Many ministers have been destroyed by things they hide. Integrity. They lie about money. They, friends, be pure. Be holy. Because he who has called us is holy. You will be challenged in those areas. And when you are defeated, the anointing won't flow. And the confidence won't be there. You know, the wages of sin is it's not always physical death. That's why if you are a leader and you sleep with a member, you will never have authority over that person anymore. Your authority over them, the wages of your sin with them, your authority is dead. When we try to say, can you please uh, talk to brother so-and-so? Hey, who? Oh, that one. I know him in and out. Shall we stand up in the name of Jesus?